0: In the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son my dear brothers and sisters in christ with these words from our gospel text for today the lord jesus describes for us the very foundation and essence of heaven being the divine artist he is our lord paints a picture of what it is to enter into heaven by portraying a noble king, a loving father, giving a wedding feast for his dear son, and seeking to bring others into the joy of that love they share. And thus, despite the sheer insolence and rejection of some who justly receive punishment, Jesus shows us that the heart of our Father in heaven is gracious, and desires our festal participation in the love he has for his son. In the beginning of the Lord's parable, we see the time for the royal celebration of the son's wedding is finally at hand. The invitations to the great banquet have already gone out to their intended recipients, and the time of anticipation is now over. Now, at long last, the king's servants begin to go out in joyous procession to accomplish the task of calling those invited into the king's presence. The servants who were sent out bear good news, which fills them with delight and which they hope will do the same in their hearers. The servants go out to draw them in and gather them all for the grand celebration. But inexplicably, Those who were invited simply would not come. In fact, the Greek text indicates their unwillingness manifested itself in a persistent refusal to come to the feast. This was not a hasty, ill-conceived decision on their part. No, this was a calculated rejection and a staggering affront to their great king and his son. I can imagine the king's son, upon hearing such a report, saying, Father, shall we celebrate alone? How grievous this would have been for them. But how could this king, this loving father, celebrate his son's wedding in such a manner? Marriage by its very nature is designed to generate new life and to bring children into the loving embrace of their parents. The intimate communion between a husband and his wife generates a community from within itself. How then could the king celebrate his son's nuptial union with an empty banquet hall in isolation, without anyone else there, cut off from the communal associations that should naturally be there? For the king, this simply would not do. Instead of being a true celebration, he saw that their empty gathering would amount to a mockery, running directly counter to the very nature of marriage. The love this father has for his son would lead him to pursue a different path. You see, in this parable, we behold the ideal love between a father and a son. Here we see its richness and its depth, its power and profundity. While family relations in this life are often messy and difficult, and you don't need me to tell you that, it's no stretch to say here that there are few things more glorious and sacred than the love shared between a father and a son. In fact, that love has its origin in the divine, even in the Holy Trinity. Indeed from eternity past, our Heavenly Father and His Son have been united to one another in the Holy Spirit, who is himself the living bond of love that they share. Thus, when you pull back the layers of this parable, at the heart of it all is the love Christ shares with his Father. And you, O Christian, are being drawn into the joy of their love in the Holy Spirit, in the Eucharistic gathering of God's people. This is what it is to come into heaven. So in an amazing display of character and self-sacrifice, this great and noble king chose to meet persistent refusal with persistent pursuit. Again, he sent other servants to gather these unworthy guests into the wedding hall. Rather than compelling them by force, he sought to persuade them Even despite their stunning refusal, still he would have them come to the feast. He tells them his dinner is ready, and even more, that he has personally paid the price to have the meal prepared. Choice animals were slain. The food has been cooked, and all things have been made ready. The food is on the table. Take, eat, Take my cup and drink of it, all of you. But still those invited paid no attention. They went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, that is, with hubris and great contempt, and even killed them. How could these people be so wicked With such imagery, our Lord Jesus leads his hearers to ask how the sons of Israel, and especially the Pharisees, the religious leaders, could display such scorn for him, our Heavenly Father, and the prophets of old. How often God would have gathered his people by the prophets, but they would not. You see, Jesus told the parable in our text first and foremost as a warning for the Jews, It was not his heart's desire to see them suffer the same fate as the wicked subjects in the story, who were destroyed and had their city burned. And yet we know very well how things played out, don't we? The Jews in their sin went so far as to crucify the Lord of glory and brought upon themselves unimaginable wrath. In 70 AD, the Lord sent forth the Romans and reduced their city to ash. Even so, our Heavenly Father has decided against shutting everyone out completely. He has appointed no angel with a flaming sword to bar entry into the banquet hall. No, our Lord instead calls all of us Gentiles to partake in the divine love he has for his son. He would draw even us into the divine presence and feast with him in the kingdom of heaven. The king in our Lord's parable commanded his servants to go out to the main roads, to the highways and the byways, and invite to the wedding feast as many as they could find. They filled the wedding hall with guests, gathering both the good and even the bad. And so it is with the church. The Lord gathers to himself all manner of people, those of good standing in society and those less so. He gathers both ordinary, upstanding people and also tax collectors, prostitutes, and if you can even believe this, politicians. (laughs) But no matter their background, not one of the guests could boast that they had merited such grace by their good works. They had demonstrated no heroic virtue, no extraordinary deeds to warrant such kindness from their royal benefactor. No, they feasted only because of the sheer grace and goodness of the king and the love he has for his son. And so it is with you because of the great love our heavenly father has for his son, Jesus Christ, who bled and died for your salvation. He has welcomed you here to feast at his table. When the Father looks at you, he sees you clothed through holy baptism with the garment of salvation, which is the righteousness of his beloved Son. Live in that righteousness then and never presume to come into God's presence without it. You see, our Lord's parable doesn't end with the wedding hall being filled with guests. Jesus tells us the king actually goes out to meet them. He's not content just to keep his distance, to hold back. No, like our Lord Jesus, the king personally comes into their midst and honors them with his presence. He comes to converse with them and enjoy their company. The king really is present with them in the supper but to his surprise he finds a guest without his wedding garment now as gracious as this king is he is not so base as to ignore every proprietary standard and all the rules of social etiquette this particular guest was simply not dressed for the occasion and stuck out like a sore thumb imagine being at your wedding reception and seeing some unshaven stranger eating your food dressed in gym shorts, flip-flops, and a dirty tank top. What poor soul could be so brazen? Does this person have no decency? Rather than immediately throwing the man out, though, or having an attendant investigate, this noble king goes to inquire of the man, and look how gently he addresses him, friend, he says, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? Perhaps there were extenuating circumstances. Perhaps he was robbed on the way to the wedding hall or some such reason. But the man was speechless. The Greek text perhaps more literally says, he was put to silence. The man could give no satisfactory answer, which implies he had the opportunity to don a wedding garment for the feast, but he simply didn't care to do so. The man might as well be standing there naked before the king. So shall it be for everyone who stands before our Lord on the last day, who has received the the sacrament of holy baptism, but refuses to be clothed with what we receive there. In the font, we we acquire the garment of salvation, the very righteousness of Christ there our Lord Jesus clothes us with himself. But there are those who neglect this divine gift. There are those who forsake that righteousness and would instead be clothed in the filth of their own righteousness, which is no righteousness at all. All such people will be bound in their sin and tossed into the gaping jaws of eternal death, locked in the outer darkness of hell, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There will be no end to this suffering in that place, not even for one single moment, not one. May this never happen to you, dear Christian. Trust in the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Let him be your righteousness. Come to him and rest secure in his embrace. He suffered so that you would not suffer eternally. In the end, we see from our Lord's parable three kinds of people. First, there are those who despise the gospel and refuse to come into the kingdom of heaven to partake of the joy our heavenly Father has in his Son. Second, there are those who hear the gospel and come into the church, perhaps even in this place but despise the Lord Jesus and will not be clothed in his perfect righteousness. And finally, there are those who hear the gospel, who come into the church and feast sumptuously unto life eternal in the presence of our Lord, clothed in the the splendor of Christ's majesty. Take care that you do not find yourself in the first two groups of people, Our Lord would not have it so. He would have you be with him. To Christ be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.